everybody, Mark Sadowski here with Tiny Shutter. This is a awesome podcast that I got to do with author Riley Arthur, the author of Riley Arthur. Uh, that's a tongue tongue tie for me. Um, she is an amazing photographer uh, and photojournalist. She is the author of the phone photography for everybody iphone photojournalism techniques and you could find it on amazon right now you could pre-order it or any of the bookstore apps will have it there's going to be a link in the show notes for this episode but it's also found at rileyarthur.com so i just wanted to do that little interlude before we get down with the show and yeah it it was a great conversation and i had a little bit of a technical difficulty uh right now i'm going through i'm in between computers right now so this was originally supposed to be both audio and visual it was supposed to also appear on the youtube channel but i didn't quite get my video correct so this is going to be audio only Still, it's a great interview. Definitely uh, check out Riley's book. And uh, let's get on with the show. So my guest this week is Riley Arthur. She is the author of Phone Photography for Everybody, iPhone Photojournalism Techniques. And it is going on sale in March. Uh, March 23rd, do I got that right? March 16th. March 16th. Okay. Even better. So you're going to get it sooner. You could pre-order it now on Amazon and the links are, if you're watching this on YouTube, the links are going to be in the show notes below. Or if you're listening to this in the, uh, I, uh, through iTunes or Stitcher, you you can find the show notes, uh, in, in the app itself. Um, but Riley, great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So you are somebody that is uh, very close as far as photography specs go, where you're you're very knowledgeable of photography and iPhone photography and journalism. That's something that I have a background in as well. Uh, Are you a a journalist journalist or are you a photojournalist primarily? So I'm a a writing journalist, journalist, I should say. Yeah. Uh, great distinction. I'm more of a photojournalist, but I would say at this stage in my career, I'm more of a documentary photographer. So I do more long form uh, projects. So yeah, I mean, a photojournalist suffices. I think they're kind of synonymous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so my background is uh, I, I was a writer, but they had all the writers learn photojournalism because the 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 one main photographer would not be around all the time. So we all carried our point and shoot cameras. This is back in the nineties, by the way. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have a, I, I think a few years on you there, but. Well, um, and the, the trend has continued really. And that, that's what prompted me to write this book. Yeah. Was that 
so many journalists aren't given the tools or the training and basically said, okay, now you're also a photojournalist, go for it, you know, interview these people and then <laughs> shoot them. And that's yeah. not really fair because, you know, they have backgrounds in writing or sports journalism or what have you. And it's a whole different set of skills. That being said, the uh, technical capabilities of smartphones today, and I, I uh, limited the book to primarily about the iPhone is, as you know, it, it is as good as a point and shoot was in the 90s, if not yes. early 2000s or mid 2000s. So, you know, with a little bit of training with this book, these these journalists will be given a lot of the techniques, tools and basic photo 101 to feel a lot more comfortable when going in the field with their phones. Your timing couldn't be better because uh, I mean, very recently at the start of this year, we had the the, the riots on, on uh, at the Capitol. And one of the more important things that were pointed out by photojournalist Erin Schaaf, I think her, I, I'm not pronouncing her last name correctly, but she was a photojournalist that was uh, threatened, basically. And so what happened was she ended up hiding her uh, DSLR camera and then continued with her iPhone. So uh, nowadays, photography is, for some reason or another, uh, I, I think I blame the paparazzi for this, but, uh, you know, photographers aren't looked at in a good light, you know, when you're holding the big DSLR camera. And, and, and so having the iPhone makes you blend in more. And, and it has become almost as important of a tool as, as your primary camera. Uh, so this comes out real timely for, for uh, photographers who are using primarily a, a big rig and, and trying to pare down to um, a, a smaller device when needed. Certainly, and shooting video could be easier than on the iPhone. You know, if you're shooting on DSLR and you don't have a mic attached or you don't have the lighting, the quality isn't probably going to be good enough for a lot of you know, cable news or anything like that. I mean, it, it would suffice, but but now phone yeah, they've got away photography with and videography. <laughs> yeah, now, now it's an acceptable medium. And the thing is, is that you hit the nail on the head. A lot of journalists or, or even, you know, people out with their phones are capturing footage. The George Floyd incident, for example, would not be such a, a mainstream event if there wasn't documentation and there yes. wasn't a public outcry. So there's a lot of instances. I mean, today with the Ted Cruz being caught going to Cancun and back, that would not have happened without smartphones. So that now, is, yeah, <laughs> yeah it, as, as, as recent as today. So, <laughs> so it's interesting because a Everyone can be a journalist, in fact, with, with phones and social media and, and so on. So it's really the best tool at your, on your arsenal. And it does protect you because everyone has a phone on them at all time, at least in the first world countries they do. And so having a DSLR camera with a, a long lens, it does create a distance between you and your subject. But people aren't very suspicious of you taking pictures on your phone. And at, at the most, they won't attack you for it. So it does give you some protection in that way. Right. So some questions I'm going to ask are, are going to be 
feel kind of obvious, uh, but maybe there, there are little nuances. Uh, what are some of the primary differences between shooting photojournalism top, let's say, will be vague terms. I understand that different, uh, different beats that you're covering uh, are, are going to require different things. But overall, what do you feel is the biggest difference between uh, photographing or covering uh, something with the iPhone in, a, in place of the, the, the DSLR? So you have to consider some of the technical aspects of shooting on the phone. If you are shooting with just the camera app, there are possibly better apps you could be using. If you are shooting without uh, attachment lights or attached lenses, there are, again, better tools that you could be using to create slightly better or more professional looking images. That being said, just with the iPhone, there are a lot of ways that you can make that to whatever beat you're covering uh, sufficient. And so it's just a matter of figuring out the right, same, same with basic photography, the right angles, the right lighting, and also understanding that with a phone, you also can change the dimensions of, of the phone. You don't have to shoot in three, three, two, or, you know, ten, you know, you can change the dimensions. So you can have a wide um, angle shot. And even in video, you can change the dimensions as well. So different formats could, could be used for different purposes as well. So it's just a matter of realizing that shooting with your phone isn't as simple as shooting with your phone. Think about the composition, think about the frame and think about it as if it were a DSLR or a formal camera in that you have a lot of flexibility in the type of images you want to take even just on your phone. Yeah. And so with, um, you, you mentioned the, the native camera app and, and using other apps, what, what is the role of computational photography uh, in, in photojournalism, how is is there any official stance on how far a photo can be? I, I don't want to say manipulated, but with, with Apple, you have like the 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 enhancements to to the photos. Like if you're using night mode, it, it's taking several photos, or if you're using if in a low light situation, it's taking several photos and piecing it all together. Now, granted, you're not yourself doing any alterations to the photo, but there are technically uh, alterations happening. Have there been any official stances on what is acceptable in the world of photojournalism? So there's actually a section in my book on sort of the rules of ethics, which covers much of that. But to answer your question, yes and no. So there's an industry standard across the board whereby photojournalism, you can't, if it's editorial photography, you know, if it's for, you know, a portrait piece, an expose, that's one thing. But if it's an editorial photo, there are very clear rules about this and you cannot overly manipulate the image to use your turn of phrase, but you can't overly edit it. The reason being is a number of actually famed photographers have gotten fired for doing so. They, yes. They've, yes, very famous. You know, even one that I think was nominated for a Pulitzer um, from the LA Times, I believe, was 
this photo from Iraq. He he composed two different photos. He thought it made a better image, and it certainly did. But that's not photojournalism. That's something else. Now. Yes. If he was entering it in co contests, now even photojournalism contests are getting very particular. They want to see your images. And in general, most publications would prefer an uncropped image. So they want to see the whole thing. They don't want to see any man manipulation. Now, if you are if you are on assignment and you are sending your photos and sharing them either in the cloud or by texting or various forms that way, what you can do is you can use the Photoshop app or a number of photo editing apps on the go. There's a number of great ones that you can kind of edit on the fly and send them off. That being said, the photo editors receiving them in the newsroom are probably going to do a better job on desktop than you are on your phone. I hate to say it because I recommend all the all the apps, <laughs> which I'm sure you're familiar with uh, in app, but- Breaking case of, in case of glass, you, that's not, shouldn't be the primary. Not for photojournalism, no. Yeah. You can certainly tweak lighting and things like contrast, but for the most part, they want to see what you took in, in camera. Yeah. And the unique thing about the iPhone is that it, it records your history of editing the photo. Uh, so you can, I don't know if that will happen once it's transferred, but on your own device, it, it'll it'll keep track of uh, the history and you could revert, revert back to the original uh, photo composition. But so you are allowed to do minor adjustments, but nothing that changes the composition uh, of the actual photo itself. The integrity of the original image. Yeah, it's an integrity issue more than anything. Yeah, and that has its own gray area in the in, in that it. wording too. <laughs> you got it. And, and <laughs> the other thing is there's sort of the um, National uh, American Press Photographers Association. There, there's a few different ones that have very clear rules if you're a member of, but even publication to publication, they have different rules and standards. You know, the New York Times might have a, a certain uh, decorum that BuzzFeed doesn't have, for example. Yes. Now, I don't know much of BuzzFeed stuff that is breaking news, but they do actually do some breaking news events. So when it comes to that, it sort of depends, you know, publication to publication. But for the most part, if you are a true photojournalist following the general rules and ethics, you're not overly editing an editorial image. Yeah. And so what what is, um, let's kind of turn back the clock here. What is your experience with photojournalism? Like, what, what where did you start? Where are you working, I guess? Um, and how has that uh, inspired you to write this book? So when I, I went to, I got my master's in photojournalism in the UK. And when I was right out of college for my master's, I got hired at HuffPost and I was a nice. photo editor and fellow there. And from there, I have done freelance since then. And I've actually transitioned my day job. I'm now a photo manager of a tech company. Mm -hmm. So now, again, I, I work freelance in my own business and then also work on personal sort of documentary photography projects. So I'm less in the field these days than I, than I have been before, though I still keep on top of all the trends. It's a tough business to be trends. in. 
You got it. And you know, there are 73% less photojournalism jobs than there were three years ago. And again, in the news today, the, there was a, another acquisition where the, the remaining Tribune brands were just purchased and a bunch of newspaper layoffs are I'm sure imminent. So you're going to have another where's round the of- the first place to get the ax? It's the, the, the photography department. You got it. It's the art department. So there aren't really any current statistics on how many photojournalism jobs, staff jobs, photo editor jobs, art director jobs are available, but they are shrinking by the year. So I was lucky enough to get a, I, I pivoted slightly. I, um, I work for a financial website in part of a larger conglomerate in the tech company. And we do breaking financial news, but we also are, are a larger tech company. So I kind of pivoted there is a lot more job security where I'm at, but I'm still lucky because there aren't too many staff photo jobs in general, as you know. So yeah. I've actually used these techniques in teaching the reporters in some of the brands that the company I work for owns to shoot on the iPhone because, again, we don't have large photo staff. So I'm almost, yeah, it's a feedback loop where I'm sort of creating the the, the tools for, for our own staff. To, to do that because we don't have robust teams. So it, it's something that I see on a daily basis, though I'm not in the trenches on a, on a daily basis. Right. Um, so with your book, um, what are some of the advice that, what is some of the advice that you give to uh, uh, aspiring photojournalists or, or people that are already seasoned in the field? Um, Give me some examples of like what would be helpful for them uh, and, and, you know, buy the book, <laughs> which everybody should do anyway. <laughs> Thank you. Amazon. So I teach everything from the basics of the posture of how to hold a camera phone, which sounds completely absurd, but you see it done wrong all the time. All the time. This is the biggest gripe I have. Is I, the the, I mean, the the average person taking a photo is always going to be that vertical photo, and it's like, oh, it kills me every time. Every right. time. So I start with the basics. <laughs> then I I go you on be sainted to... for that right now. <laughs> <laughs> then cool. I go on to things like the Fibonacci sequence and rules of third and sort of basics of art that people might not be aware of. I mean, we're, we're talking about people who aren't visually minded. So kind of teaching yes. them those basics so they're comfortable. Then I move on to more elaborate things like framing and angles and light. And then we go on to, again, the, the ethics. I have you know a good five or so pages on sort of the rules of photojournalism. We also go into things like shooting video on your iPhone and the different tools and editing procedures that you would need for that, as well as sound recording on your phone and the different methods for that transcription. So it's not just photography, though it's 95%. Because if you are a, a photojournalist or journalist or a student or interested person, those are all applicable skills. So it sort of runs the gamut from real basics so that people don't feel left out to a lot more advanced tools. I would say nowadays video is becoming more important 
in the journalism world than uh, the still. Uh, although the still being is still powerful, it still packs a punch. But video, you got to have both uh, it, it, under your belt. And uh, the one of the coolest things about the iPhone is that it does both of them so well. Um, but again, to to your point, uh, it could be better with just a little bit more technique. And, and to to your point, and as I was skimming through the book, your your recommendation for sound. Uh, God, I, I hope my sound is actually working well <laughs> because I, I don't want to be a hypocrite. But yes, sound it, it makes it makes or breaks a, a video more than the visual quality. Absolutely. And a lot of the interviews I've done, I'm, I'm primarily a stills photographer, but I often conduct interviews and I've always done those on my iPhone. I'll have either an attachment mic or, you know, I just hope for the best <laughs> depending yes. on, on my setup for the day. And it's been an incredible tool. Sound, sound is so important as, as you mentioned, video is so important and you can, you can really get some good video and you can, if you're an independent or a freelance journalist, you can sell that for a whole lot of money if done well. You could do more than just, uh, you, you can earn a buck rather than just exposure. <laughs> Uh, it's my it's my sort of I, I anticipate it's my guess that in the next couple of years we'll see more nominations for Pulitzers of iPhone or smartphone photography. The first Magnum photographer was accepted two years ago based on a fully iPhone shot portfolio. So we are seeing it not just being for newspapers, but having photos taken from these devices that are renowned. And I think it's only going to continue to, to grow from there as more and more people are taking them, not just the, the photographer. I mean, to your point, the, 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 um, the, the Floyd coverage where a little girl, or, or as I understand, a young girl, let's say, I should say just a little girl, so expertly videoed the entire traumatic experience and keeping her cool in focusing on what needs to be you know the, the the getting that vital information to to everybody i mean you have I'm willing to, you know, say that non-journalists are going to start receiving uh, journalism uh, awards. It, it has become a, a tool for everybody in, in the field. I think, and this is why I think your book is so important. It, it fits people who are seasoned in the field who need that little bit of extra, like, you know, that, you know, you have the, the, the smartphone device, might as well learn how to use it properly because you never know when something's going to happen. But to the average person, have that at the ready so that if you so choose to, to, to you, you see something happening and you, go forth and cover it 
know how to do it properly. And, and this is, uh, I think, very important. You got it. And that's why it's called phone photography for everyone iPhone photojournalism techniques. I could have called it photojournalism on an iPhone, but yes, it really is for everyone because all of the things that I teach, again, it's from basics to to advanced, could be useful for a child, as you said, or for my 71-year-old mother. <laughs> you know, she's also excited to read the book, not just because she's my mom, but now she can learn some of the things and have have the ability to kind of improve her, her photography in retirement, for example. She will keep <laughs> calling you for tech support, though. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm not. She already does. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's one of those things where everyone having a phone on them at all times makes it so that it global events are are covered and reported on a, a massive right. scale. And that's really only going to improve our ability to gather information, our understanding of events. I mean, think about the the riots in Minneapolis, for example, and all the yes. looting and all all the fires and, and the protests and the small businesses rallying together and showing support in the last year alone. I mean, we could go over dozens of examples here, but a lot of that footage was, you know, 90% of that footage was was taken on a smartphone. Yes. Hey everybody, Mark Sadowski jumping in for a second here. I am uh, letting you know that we had some technical snafu here, so there's a little bit lost, but moving forward. Well, what do you have for gear? Like, like is, is, do you have anything in addition to the to the iPhone? Well, I have the basic Canon 5D Mark III that every person seems to have that shoots on a Canon. I used to. Okay, I see. And I have, <laughs> you know, flashes and three or four lenses and all the cards. I have a few different bags and I have a three tripods, something like that at this point. Now, as far as iPhone gear, I have three at this point moment lenses i have a tripod that changes from a dslr tripod to an, a phone tripod there's an attachment nice yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty great and it's from peak design and i oh, have right on nice. yeah i, I have well I, some of the tools are, are are shown in the books we have a number of a gorilla pod i mean we so much phone here it's ridiculous at this point no that's you know what the probably the the most important thing uh, i find for for my iphone is having a good tripod mount um i i have one by me photo that i've been using primarily because it slips right into the l bracket like the the that kind of grip um and the gorilla pod man like that is awesome in a pinch yeah um, it's immovable the, i also yes. have the the loom uh cube that attaches to the iphone and is good for video or for sort of low light situations there's, yes. there's just such a range of really great tools and accessories right now and it's just by the month there's now filters for the lights and the filters for your lenses and it's it's really incredible it's funny my sister purchased me a cheap clip on iPhone lens about five years ago is chintzy piece of plastic. 
And I remember getting it and thinking, she knows I'm a professional photographer, right? <laughs> and at the time, again, it was, I think it was Urban Outfitters or something like that. And no dig yeah. against the gift. It was actually very thoughtful. But just from five years ago to now and the quality of the glass and the craftsmanship and some of these lenses, it's just, it's just phenomenal. It's, it's like night and day. It's pretty much like the evolution of the iPhone, for example. <laughs> So I got to ask, we're, we're deep into the conversation. What iPhone are you using right now? So I have two. I have one for work and I have my own. I have the 11 Pro and then I have a 6. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And I actually uh, shot a, a number of the photos in the book on the 6. <laughs> I mean, it's been great since what? you know it was decent with the four uh that's the one that really blew our minds that you could do photography um like, like the five and six you, you know you're starting to get great video out of that in, in addition to the photography so yeah that's there's no knock against it one of my favorite iphone ca uh cameras was in the seven plus that was when i think they just introduced the telephoto lens and that was kind of like just mind blown. Uh, I, I loved that and I had that for such a long time. In fact, it's still being used right now. My uh, father-in-law is Excellent. using that. So Now, uh, what are it, you shooting on today? Uh, I'm going all elitist. I got my iPhone 12 Pro Plus Max, whatever <laughs> you, you call that. <laughs> Um, the, the, the intention is one to, um, bring back that old feeling of using the iPhone four, because I love this design. Um, so I couldn't say no to that. Uh, but I also want to have this as my primary device for the next few years. I don't plan on getting iPhone 13 or whatever it's going to call. Of course, they're going to turn around and make, make this mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, they they have a tendency of doing that, and 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 I curse Apple for it, but I still buy their <laughs> products. You got it. I know. I'm I'm hooked as well. <laughs> I mean, they just write in me. It just hooks and just. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm um, having this call via Zoom on my laptop on my MacBook Pro. MacBook Pro. Uh, I just got mine repaired, but I have my Mac mini, my MacBook pro, and I have my iPad pro somewhere charging. Um, <laughs> it, it is. Yeah. It just, but, but man, they're so good. <laughs> and I don't think people are making the case that they're not anymore for a few years. There was similarly to when digital cameras became more consumer priced and, and in the mainstream, there was always the the friction between analog and digital and now between digital and phone photography. But I, I think all the naysayers have pretty much quieted down because there's really not an argument you can be made against it. They'll always be arguing. I, okay, I, I've fair come enough. to realize <laughs> that they, they, they will, if there isn't anything to argue about, they will find something. Uh, but yeah, I remember those days, the, the digital and film, uh, where, where everyone was like, film is never going to take off. This is stupid. And it's like, uh, 
I see where the I see where this war is going. <laughs> well, it's and then it's the megapixel war and then the ISO war and yeah. I mean, with with your Canon itself, uh, the the whole crossover between having video and stills bleed into one another. That was the the the, the Canon 5D Mark II was such a pivotal camera for for the world um in, in the way we we made things and and the thing is it wasn't even canon that brought on this revolution it was a photographer by the name of vincent laferre who made this small video just showing what you can do with the 5d mark ii and, and made this like like ridiculous cinematic short movie and, and it just blew their minds off of everybody and from what i understand i'm hearing this secondhand that canon gives him a call that's super pissed off at him saying we have other products that are for video this isn't meant for video it's like guess what it is now well uh, and it's interesting because canon has still somewhat resisted that even with the canon 5d mark iii once you're shooting in video, you, there's no way to refocus. You can't actually focus. You, you don't know what where the focus is. So you have to either download firmware onto the CF cards or just yeah. hope that you're focusing on the right thing. Whereas an iPhone, you know exactly where you're focusing. I'm not saying that the iPhone video is better than a DSLR video, but I am saying there are advantages that that, that Canon and Nikon haven't quite reckoned with, and they're going to have to here pretty soon. I think that ship has sailed. Uh, for one thing, you are correct. The, the quality of the video in the iPhone is just leaps and bounds above everybody else in the field, uh, regardless of what smartphone device you're using. If you don't give props to Apple for their work in video, then, then you're you're smoking something because they're I I don't know of anybody else that can top that quality and that performance. Um, stills, that's something else. I, I know there are other cameras that have a, a longer zoom or, or or something, but the the their video is just just you, you can't beat it um the, i would and i agree with you that there, it's leaps and bounds above canon and icon in, in certain respects i mean apple has the luxury of having a smaller sensor where they don't have to worry about like the, the certain depth of field or or things like that but like you're to your point canon and icon have been around for a long time and they just let everybody walk all over them uh they, they i mean you have sony that's pretty much leading the pack uh me as a fuji photographer uh I, you know it was like I, I yeah i gotta give it to them a little bit there um but like you know the, then you have panasonic with the gh series it's it's yeah they they canon ha, has I mean, but I, I mean that we're not we're not talking about Canon. We're talking about iPhones. No, um, it's funny. About a year, <laughs> two two years ago, or maybe it was a year and a half. I think it was two years ago. 
I was in the market for a mirrorless. I said, all right, I travel too much. It's getting arduous on just personal trips and things like that. Maybe I don't want to carry my whole kit with me. So I rented a Panasonic. I rented a Fuji. I rented lenses. Big cheat if you want. Rent, rent before you buy. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Always. That, that is... So I rented the gear. I tried it out. And then at the end of the day, I thought I can do everything I want on my iPhone. I don't need a mirrorless anymore. So I sort of took that, that bridge, I just ripped out and I didn't need it anymore. So I don't even have a mirrorless. I just have my DSLR and my iPhone and I'm good to go. I mean, give Fuji one more try. All right. All right. I'll try (laughs) it. But there was a lot of weird, there was almost too many settings that did weird things that were sort of unnecessary. (laughs) Which one did you try? I'm curious. Oh God. It, I always get the, the names wrong because I'm dyslexic, but it was, the, I want to say the, is this Panasonic or, or Fuji? The T3? Is that yep, X-T3? Yeah. I tried that one and yeah, I don't know. Really? <laughs> I didn't bring the manual with me and I went on a trip and then <laughs> I felt like a, a student photographer just trying to figure out the settings on my, on my camera. It was really comical. <laughs> So no, that's that's totally fine. I think um, so. If if you don't mind me asking, uh, you don't want to have to answer this. I'm I'm just curious. How old are you? I'm thirty five. Thirty five. Okay, so you're we, we're about uh, ten actually ten years difference on the dot. Um, so we are. So that switch from film to uh, digital that happened like while I was in college getting my undergraduate in in photography yeah so it it was I was one of those early resistors because I got really into the dark room and thought I was so cool (laughs) just like every early you know student photographer does and I was actually a, a late bloomer to digital because the quality was was not great to begin with very pixelated and then it was very difficult yeah yeah and then interestingly enough I was also not an early adapter to the iPhone, not because I, not because I wasn't interested, but because I'm an environmentalist and I don't want to buy a new phone every year. I just think it's wasteful. So I hung on to an iPhone four for a ridiculous number of years. I think it was like six years. And but that's the one to have like that. As far as photography, photography goes, if you're going to hold on to anything, anything from the four up is you're fine. It it did what it needed to do. And I I know that technology has gone a long way, but I firmly believe that a good photo can be taken on any kind of camera. And that's another proponent for iPhone and iPhones today um, specifically. But I will say I'm very happy with my 11 Pro. I'm sure you're very happy with your 12 Pro Max. I mean, you, you can't get better than that. That's currently on the market, in my opinion. Right. Uh, well, I mean, people will argue. <laughs> okay. Again, yeah, sure. <laughs> I, we're not talking about the pixel point, yeah. today. <laughs> yeah, it's um, but I, I'm I'm super happy with, with it. And and again, it, it's it's one of those things where you you just can't go wrong. The 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 device that you have is the perfect device for photography. Uh, like, I mean, everybody has heard the saying: the the perfect camera is the one that you have. Yeah. Um, and, and to be able to make that happen and, and, you know, regardless of what Apple device that you have, you're going to have great photography, great video. 
Um, what else would you like to say to, to people uh, uh, about your book that um, to, to bring awareness to, to this, uh, to, to the, any kind of techniques or, um, or, or just made aware to, for, for people that would be helpful in, in their own pursuits, regardless if it's photojournalism or, or anything else. Because photojournalism can branch out into so many different fields, as you're experiencing with uh, the, the the financial district, uh, financial departments. Yeah, so I think I'd like to build off of what you were saying about sort of the best the best camera you have is the one on you, and I really believe that that's true. And you know, a lot of people will see a picture and say, "Oh, well, this person was just there in the right place in the right time." Now. As you and I know, that's not necessarily true. They had to know which angle. They had to, to consider a lot of factors. And you can read a lot of stories and articles about sort of behind the shot. So that's not entirely true, but a lot of it actually is. <laughs> and yeah. one way that you can be in the right place in the right time is to just be aware. While I was working on this book, I just so happened to be... <laughs> in a building where there was a car on fire in the, in the parking garage. And I made it there as the um, firefighters showed up and I got right up there. And there's a couple photos in the book and I shot them, you know, uh, hose into the, yeah. into the, the flames and just smoke everywhere. And it looks like, it looks very moody, but I was just in the right place at the right time or for the car owner at the wrong place at the wrong time. Luckily, no one was injured. But yeah. that's just to say you have to kind of be aware. I, I went down and checked it out and then I ran upstairs and grabbed my phone and ran back down and I was the only one. People were 15 feet away shooting video and I just got three feet away close enough that I could get a good shot with any of my lenses on my iPhone. But also far enough away that I was not disrupting the firefighters or, or putting them or myself in danger. And yep. that just goes to show you just have to kind of look for things that are going to be important or, or look for the story. And anyone can do that, as is some of the cases that we mentioned earlier. But that is a really good starting point is look for the story find the story, shoot the story, <laughs> do not hesitate, and then find ways to disseminate. And my next advice would be is start a network and, and build from there. If, if you're just starting out, get in touch with, with art photo teams and editors and make yourself known that you're a new presence. And, and if you're not, if you're just a hobbyist photographer, submit to shows, get your work out there. As far as my book goes, again, it runs the gamut, so I'm not really sure what I would focus on, but if you are a student, a journalist, a seasoned journalist, or someone just interested in photography basics and or photojournalism, this book has something for everyone. And I'm not just saying that because I wrote it. <laughs> and again, it's kind of a title, but it really does cover a wide spectrum of, of techniques. And to, to kind of uh, add to what you're saying, it applies to so much in the world today, uh, whether 
uh, I, I don't know if you how much this bothers you, but if you see uh, poorly written like reviews or things like that, uh, where just a little bit of journalism, like knowledge of journalism and how how to properly you know construct a a, a piece would have gone a long way to um, make this particular review much better and, and YouTubers knowing a little bit of photojournalism uh, and video journalism will help you improve your own uh, videos in the long run. It, it, it is going to uh, give you that little bit of an edge to make a great, uh, to produce a great piece and, you know, put you ahead of everybody else. Fight that algorithm. Absolutely. Vloggers can, there's, there's stuff they can learn in there as well. But I mean, also if you're, if you're a hobbyist and you're just kind of photo curious, as I like to say, things like creating a shot list, you know, yes. making, ma going on a walkabout and really honing your skills, getting to know your camera inside and out and trying different apps and finding the ones that work for you there's no better way to become a photographer than just to do it. Yep. Like the Nike belt uh, logo. Yeah. <laughs> Unintended uh, plug for Nike there. <laughs> there you go. Um, so this has been amazing. Again, you can find the book, uh, Phone Photography for Everybody, iPhone photo Photojournalism Techniques on Amazon. You could pre-order it today. Uh, why don't you tell the world where they could find you on the web uh, in, in addition to uh, the book? Yeah, I am uh, easily reachable, easy, easily Googleable. I am at RileyArthur.com and you can find me on Instagram at RileyArt. <laughs> Short for Arthur, not art, but it works both ways. It's, you can't beat that. That's, that's, super awesome <laughs> so riley it, it, it's awesome uh, i wish you luck uh, i hope everybody in the world uh buys your book and that as they should because it, it, it's really really cool uh, i i've only just scratched the surface and i can't wait to to finish it this weekend uh so uh again everybody check it out the the links will be right below um in, in the show notes and uh, it was a pleasure to have you on. We'll have to bring you back for any other future projects that you have. I'd be happy to. Thank you. Awesome.